WXDX-FM, Pittsburgh. On the day after Paul Simon played PPG Paints Arena, it's only fitting that we start by discussing the Pittsburgh Steelers. Still crazy after all these years. I'm Tim Benz from the Pittsburgh Trib and of SNR. This is the Mark Madden Show on 105.9 The X. Mark is off today for two important reasons. One, Liverpool is on TV. Two, he's getting a new cat. Now, it's said that cats can tell when death is upon someone. I wonder why so many were outside of the Southside facility today with the Steelers practice. Also, it's said that cats are supposed to have nine lives. I would imagine that in this case, this cat will burn through at least three of those today watching Madden watch Liverpool. And if that cat is a Steeler fan, it might burn through the rest of them before the season is over. Now, Mark will be on with me at 5.30, Stan Saverin, 4.30, Jay Retcher of WDAE in Tampa. He talks about those suddenly surging Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 3.30. And you know what? Looking at the schedule, yeah, that's exactly what the Steelers need at this point, right? The most surprisingly good team in the NFL on their schedule on the road for Monday Night Football. A team whose skill set is perfectly set up to exploit the Steelers' weak spots on defense. Who would have thought a Steeler team some of you expected to be a Super Bowl contender may be winless through the first three weeks? Three weeks without a win to start the season. Now, that was forecast as perhaps the easiest stretch of their season. Look, I'm not even one who thought they'd be better than 11-5 at best. In fact, I said 10-6. I predicted... 10-6, but I did so with a 3-0 start. Let's face it, the Steelers are overdue for one of those stub-your-toe-out-of-nowhere bad seasons. And this might be it. We might be living through it right now. Keep in mind, for as much as we barf all over the Steelers for their great consistency, since Bill Cowher's club missed the playoffs under him for the first time in 1998, They went an additional two years without making the playoffs there to close out Three River Stadium. And since Heinz Field has opened in 2001, this is currently the longest stretch of playoff football we have seen. Missing the playoffs in 03 and 06 and 09 and 12 and 13, this team by its standard, and as we all know, the standard is the standard, this team is overdue for a stinker of a season, and this season, it could be unavoidable. Winning is the ultimate deodorant, but this club may need a power washing, some talcum powder, a few baby wipes as well, because it stinks from the inside out. Not just the record, not just the tape on the field, but from the locker room atmosphere as well. And that was heightened today when it was revealed at Mike Tomlin's press conference that Antonio Brown wasn't at practice yesterday. This a few hours after he responded to a tweet from a former employee, Ryan Scarpino, who used to work, ironically, in the media relations department. He tweeted that the Steelers got Antonio Brown in the draft, and he's been great as a result of Ben Roethlisberger's prowess more than anything else, and Antonio took offense and said, okay, then trade me. 
let's be clear. Antonio Brown should be suspended. Regardless of what his agent said today to try to calm the waters, Drew Rosenhaus, if you missed that, that's exactly what happened. He's just trying to calm the waters. Antonio Brown should be suspended for missing practice yesterday. And maybe for the tweet as well. And I'll get into that a little bit later on. But via Adam Schefter, Drew Rosenhaus said, The tweet yesterday was not in reference to anything other than Antonio responding to a person he knows. I'm going to stop right there. Antonio doesn't know who Ryan Scarpino is. Or if he does, he doesn't know that he no longer works for the team. He just saw his avatar and said, oh, that guy who works on the second floor in Burt's office. That's all. That, that's probably why he responded. Like, he thought that that tweet from Ryan Scarpino, he thought that was an actual team statement. Not a t- he thought that was like a press release from Colbert's office. That's why Brown is so honked off, probably. All right, now back to the tweet from Rosenhaus already in progress here. He goes on to say via Adam Schefter. It was not directed towards a trade or wanting to be traded. Any idea that he was asking for a trade is not accurate. Of course, aside from the tweet that said, trade me. As for the absence, Rosenhaus says, Antonio had a personal matter. I talked to the team about it. He issued an un- His issue is unrelated to the tweet or his relationship with the team. Third, AB has an incredible drive to win. He just wants to win. That's all that is. Okay, nice to know that Drew Rosenhaus is the one who is issuing player personnel news for the Steelers now. That's a fun development. First of all, I don't believe that. I just, I don't. Let me rephrase. Okay, Uh, maybe AB did have a personal matter. I happen to believe that, you know, the personal matter that Drew Rosenhaus is talking about here, though, is that he is personally pissed off about the tweet or personally pissed off. He's not getting enough catches. If Antonio Brown missed practice for some legitimate reason that Drew Rosenhaus had the ability to tell the team about, why then didn't Mike Tomlin make that abundantly clear today? There were 27 hours between when the team got to the facility yesterday and when Tomlin spoke today. At some point in that span, at some juncture, If A.B. had a legitimate reason for being absent, it would have been expressed. And if Tomlin had bought that excuse as a legitimate reason, he would have said so today. Because the entire rest of the press conference today was Mike Tomlin putting out fires and quelling controversies. All 20 minutes or whatever it was, was Tomlin bringing everything to the middle. A.B., the secondary, the bad defense, even good stuff like Jesse James's play. He didn't want to, as you heard 45 times during the press conference today, paint with a broad brush. Here's a sign that things have really gotten bad for the Steelers. They've gone from painting the red barn red to we don't want to paint with a broad brush. I don't know what that means, but it sounds bad. It sounds like we're going backwards. We're not painting after we were at least painting with red paint before. This sounds like a regression to me. So if Brown had been legitimately absent for a reason, Tomlin would have said so because it would have tamped down the discussion. But he didn't say anything because there's nothing to say there. He would have told us so we would have stopped being sharks in the water about this. But you know what? You know, Drew Rosenhaus, if he's so questionable right now, then tell us 
what the issue was. If it was a child health emergency, the death of a parent, the illness of a mother, then fine. Because right now, Drew, no one believes you and no one believes your guy. And you know, baby mama drama, like AB was posting about on Instagram during minicamp or OTAs, an Instagram model drama like we saw two years ago, that doesn't count. That's not a personal or excused absence. Right now, AB's exceptionalism seems to me like he wants to be an exception to the team rules. Yell yeah, like at the coaches when he wants the sidelines, show up when he wants, let his kids run around at the practice field at St. Vincent College when they want, bunk up off campus at St. Vincent Go visit his personal trainer in Florida whenever he wants. That's AB's definition of exceptionalism. Exception to the rules. You can say, don't suspend AB because then you'll lose him emotionally for the rest of the season. How would you know the difference? Like, I thought about this for a while today. How worth it is it really? How worth it is it really to suspend Antonio Brown? How smart would it be to suspend your best wide receiver in what's become a must-win game early in the season? Oh, and trust me, it's must-win. If they lose this game, they're cooked. And we'll get into that much more later on in the program. So how smart would it be? Because then you're just going to burn a bridge with him like apparently has been burned with Le'Veon Bell, and now your two best skilled position players alongside Ben Roethlisberger are rendering themselves null and void. But how do you know the difference at this point? How much further can it go? So I want to ask you, I want to get your opinion on this. Is it worth it to to, to suspend Antonio Brown at this juncture? And I say it is. I say if he legitimately missed practice for a reason that the team doesn't seem to have to be worthwhile, then you suspend him for a game. 4-1-2. 3-3-3, And you know what? If you keep him active and you don't suspend him and you want to have any credibility whatsoever and you want to avoid all the controversy about team turmoil and all that, like, you could tell Kevin Colbert took real offense to the team turmoil tag during some of his comments in training camp, right? Like, he didn't like that they were being... Well, if you want to get away with that or away from that, then you got to tell us why what he did was okay. Because short of that, that's how everybody is interpreting this outfit right now. So again, 412-333-9939. People already calling in on this topic. We'll get to what Mike Tomlin said. You'll hear some of his comments. And I think a lot of what he said is not going to go over big with the Steeler listening public. We'll have those comments later on. Cam Hayward was great talking about this on DVE again this morning. We'll have some of his quotes as well before the top of the hour. And uh, we've also got to check in with Stan Saverin at 430. Mark's going to call in at 530. And like I said, uh, you want to know what's going on with the Buccaneers and why they are so dangerous to the Steelers? Jay Retcher from WDAE in Tampa later on this hour. Tim Benz in for Mark Madden on 105.9 The X. Now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Double M, big fan. Mark, good afternoon. Y'all want to talk to Mark Madden? What do you want? What do you want? Damn it! DX at 105.9. How happy is Ben Roethlisberger right now? Here he is brought up in this Stormy Daniels book again. And from what I've been able to glean, there's really nothing new than what we had known already about him. But on 
In a normal year on a normal team, that's what we might be talking about today. But you've got A.B., Lev Bell, and then also in the book, Stormy saying that Trump's penis looks like the mushroom from Mario Kart. So, like, Ben is what? Sixth or seventh on the pecking order when it comes to controversial topics trending on Twitter right now surrounding the Steelers or even the book itself. I like this from Sports Pickle. After Michael Avenatti tweeted, we have no further comment at this time regarding the details relating to Ben Roethlisberger in this book. Sports Pickle tweeted back, Stormy Daniels. Here's a comment. Sometimes Roethlisberger tries to force the ball to Antonio Brown, leading to interceptions or missing players who are open farther down the field. Tough to miss him when he's not at practice, though. We got bank phone lines here with people who want to talk about that. I didn't get to play Tomlin's explanation as to why A.B. was not at practice yesterday. I'll play that before I go to the phones right now. Uh, Mike Pursuta of the DVE Morning Show asked specifically if A.B. was at practice yesterday. He was not. No, I'm looking forward to visiting with him today and discussing that and some other things. I'm not going to get into the details of why he wasn't here or what he, whether he was excused and all of those things. Um, I just assume leave those things in-house. Um, I understand sometimes you got some negativity. You know, we lost a football game. Uh, there were some negative exchanges on the sideline. There's frustration associated with not playing well and not winning. Um, I understand all that. There's opportunities for us to respond to it, particularly the early portions of the year, uh, to utilize negative experiences and things that occur to educate our team. Uh, at this point in the journey, so that it becomes a non-factor as we move forward. Um, that's generally the approach that we take in non-football-related things, such as social media, decorum, and et cetera. Uh, so hopefully that'll be the last time I'll be discussing things such as that. In this yeah, set. right. Okay. <laughs> the last time. The last time today, because the press conference was half over at that point. The last time. What He said that they're going to turn this into a positive? They've been trying to do that with this team for three years now. And it never happens. 412-333-9939. Again, if this is anything, anything significant, legitimate, don't you think he would have said at that point in time that he had a legitimate reason that had nothing to do with the tweet? Don't you think that would have been the case? Let's go to Jim, who's calling from Washington. Hi, Jim. Go ahead. You're on 105.9 The X. Hey, what's up, Tim? How are you? Good. Hey, I gotta say, I, that is the biggest crock I've ever heard in my life come out of Tomlin's mouth. Oh, I've heard I bigger. Mean, I, no, 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 I've, I've, I've heard bigger. But go ahead. You get my point, though. Yes. But let's, let's go ahead and start with, you know, AB misses a day that is a rehab and, and film day. Is it that big to the team? I mean, yeah, you're supposed to be a leader of this team. You want to be the best in the league and you don't show up to support your team. I mean, what is that? If anything, you know, you gotta sit this guy at least a game. You know, discipline Tomlin talks about, take a game check from him because all these, all these guys care about his money anymore. There's some discipline right there. And, and it won't happen. And it's sad to say, but look at this team. We're 0-1-1 and going into a team that it, this is a trap. Well, yeah, I, I got into this debate. And thanks, thanks, Jim. I appreciate it. I got into this debate with some other colleagues today over on the South Side. It's like, if this isn't the point where he's starting to miss practices because he's pouting over not getting the ball enough or yelling at Randy Feetner or what a former employee tweeted at him, then what is the point? Like, how, how much more rope do you have to give him? Or do you, if you don't think that this is suspension worthy, then what is? Like, that's another way to phrase the question. If this isn't it, if missing practices when everybody else is there, if yelling at the coach on the sideline, at throwing a Gatorade cooler, he did it to Landry Jones. So he's taking it out of the equipment, the backup quarterback, and now the offensive coordinator in successive seasons. 
Where do you stop with it then? Where? When does discipline come in if this is not it now? Nick calling from the Turnpike. Hi, Nick. Hey, how are you? Good. Hey, this is where um, Tomlin treats A.B. like he's your child that got in trouble at school. Making excuses for him. And, you know, he won't sit on for a game, which he should. And if I was Ben, I'd be like, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even target him during the game. Well, that would be even worse. If you actually have him out there and you intentionally stay away from him, that will just provoke him more, A, and B, um, make him all the more combustible on the sidelines and interrupt the game. And you've got a guy then that you're dressing that you're not using. So what would the point be to that? True, but, I mean, that would send a message from Ben to him, like, hey, look, I'm not going to throw it to you. Well, he thinks that message is being sent even when it isn't. Like, he's mad that he's not getting the ball thrown enough to him as it is, and he's got 17 targets on the day. Like, the problem isn't targets. He's one of the most targeted receivers in the National Football League. They're just not connecting right now. Let's go to Joe, who's calling from West Mifflin. Hi, Joe. Hey, uh, I just wanted to know real quick who you thought the leader is in the Steelers' locker room. Is uh, Bell, Brown, and Ben have all publicly commented on quitting on the team now over the past couple of years. Bell, Brown, and Ben have commented on publicly quitting on the team. What do you mean, Ben, with his retirement? Is that what you mean? Well, Bell was holding out. Yeah, Ben talking about retirement after every season, and now Bell or Brown. Yeah, I think there's a difference between legitimate off-season retirement thinking and quitting on the team, or staying away from practice, or what amounts to a holdout, and all things and being equal, Joe. But you know, I will criticize. No, 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 uh, no, hold on. I'll I'll, I'll give you this. I I got you. Hold on. Hold on. Because I actually think you're on to something here, which is if Roethlisberger wants to be a leader and if Pouncey wants to be a leader and if they want leaders that are defined by caring about the team and caring about the sport beyond just performance, then if Mike Tomlin can't put in place a social media policy because the team won't let him or the NFL's collective bargaining agreement won't let him, then you know what? How about Ben and Pouncey and Foster and the other alleged veteran leaders in the clubhouse? They say, this is what we're doing. The team can't tell you, but within our ranks, we're not doing it anymore. You want to tweet about your charity? Tweet about your charity. You want to uh, tweet thanks to a fan? You know, a happy little photo when you sign a football or give away a receiving glove after the game? Or, you know, when you pick up somebody's tab? Fine. When it's all purely positive stuff, go ahead and do it. Anything like we've seen from Bud, anything like we've seen from AB, no. You draw the line there. When we come back, how dangerous are the Bucks really? Because the Steelers might be staring at 0-2-1. Jay Retcher from WDAE in Tampa next. Next. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Double M, big fan, big fan. Hey, yo. Well, I'm not sure. It's just big and it's soft and I use a bunch of pillows and I snore. The X at 105.9. The Steelers' defense is a mess. The special teams aren't any better. The coaching is questionable. The locker room is chaos. And the offense scores just enough to not win. Aside from that, things are great on the south side. They're 0-1-1. We all thought they'd be 2-0 by this point, And now they go on the road to play Tampa, the most surprising team in the National Football League. What are they going to do against the Tampa Bay Bucks? I talked to Jay Retcher of WDAE Radio 620 in Tampa. Tim Ben's in for Mark Madden. This is what he had to say about why the Bucks pose such a threat to the Steelers. And we get into the Chris Archer trade, too. Why that has been a blow-up for the Bucks. Maybe even a little hockey at the end, too. Jay Retcher from WDAE in Tampa on 105.9 First and foremost, Jay, 
Thanks a ton for Chris Archer. Boy, has that put the Pirates over the top. That's really worked <laughs> out nicely here in Pittsburgh. Well, you know, it's funny. Down here in Tampa, a lot of people are talking uh, about that this could be one of the more lopsided trades uh, in history involving a team in Tampa Bay because of how uh, everybody is a big fan of Tyler Glass now and the uh, great job that Austin Meadows has done in AAA so far and the Shane Boz uh, addition late to the trade. I, I think Chris was kind of wearing out his welcome a little bit here in Tampa Bay, uh, but maybe a, a change of scenery would do him better. But it seems like you guys are getting the same old Chris Archer, five innings pitched, Four runs, 100 pitches. Yeah, that sounds just about right. And now the loss of Austin Meadows has been heightened even more because Gregory Polanco is going to be out for, what did they say, like six to nine months. And he would have looked yeah. great in right field here in Pittsburgh while Polanco was out, that's for sure. Yeah, and then, you know, I'm sure with the, the glutton of outfielders you guys have there um, and looking at guys like Marte and part of the reason why he was, I'm sure, uh, easy to kind of move on from Andrew McCutcheon, even though I'm, you know, such a guy that was a, a staple for your franchise up there. I know it's not easy to move on from a guy like that, but uh, yeah, I know if uh, the teams had a do-over, I'm thinking Pittsburgh might have wanted to uh, take that thing back. What is the level of surprise to the 2-0 start for the Buccaneers in Tampa right now? It's the, I'd say it's pretty high. There's a lot of people that they're still stuck on this, uh, oh, woe is me, Buccaneers team. There's a lot of fans down here that look at the Buccaneers as the Cleveland Browns of the South. Um, I, me not being from here, you know, I moved here about 12 years ago, um, and I said to them, I said, you guys, you know, it's not as bad as you guys think. I mean, Cleveland Browns don't have Gerald McCoy. They don't have Jameis Winston. They don't have Mike Evans. They don't have all these guys. Um, but, man, it, they're pleasantly surprised. And we talked to a lot of people uh, on Victory Monday, as they called in Tampa Bay, and there's a lot of people ecstatic. But even though they couldn't see that coming, I think the play of Ryan Fitzpatrick is even more surprising. Let's go right to that. Uh, how is Connor McGregor handling things at the starting quarterback down there? <laughs> I called him today on the uh, or earlier this week, actually. Ryan Fitzgregor. Um, if you see that, uh, it's picture That's gone. It's crazy. It's it's gone crazy. That viral. I'm actually in that picture in the background in a purple shirt, looking at uh, Fitzpatrick, going, "What the heck is going on?" Because I was in the locker room for the game on Sunday and I look back and I said what are they doing and you saw all the players kind of going around them and putting the sh jacket on them and putting the chains on them and I'm like what is going on and then I saw him walk into the press conference and I go oh my gosh this thing is going to be all over the internet in just no time and it has been crazy I have people texting me calling me telling me I'm uh, fam barstool famous I think that's what they're saying <laughs> now uh, but man he's such a good dude he's so down to earth just being around him the last two years, he's a family man. He says all the right things. He's a journeyman. He knows he's been around this league. And to see a guy like that be as successful as he's been through the first two weeks uh, really couldn't happen to a better guy. Well, you know, watching him at various stops in the AFC before, when it comes to seeing him against the Steelers, my, my takeaway from Fitzpatrick has always been, man, it's great to watch when he's on because he's really good. The problem is when he's on, all of a sudden he just goes really bad. I think he starts to feel it a little bit, and for a Harvard guy, sometimes he doesn't throw very smart. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point too, man, because I think there was a section of the fan base after week one thinking, all right, when's the other shoe going to drop? Because we've seen this performance before. And we've got a lot of transplants transplants here in Tampa. A lot of them come from the Northeast especially, and especially those Jet fans. I know I grew up in New York and half of my family are Jets fans, and they remember a couple years ago in Week 17 when the Jets were destined for a playoff spot, and he threw five interceptions against Buffalo 
in Buffalo, and they can't seem to forget that. So there's still, I'm, I'm sure there's still people around the country that are waiting for that other shoe to drop and say, all right, we know this fits, but we, we remember the other fits too as well. Yeah, and you look at his numbers against the Steelers historically, they're not good in the sense that you know his quarterback rating is 79. He's 0 for 5 in attempts trying to beat Pittsburgh during his career. Mm-hmm. But those have been against, or from a Steelers' point of view anyway, the Steelers have played against some pretty bad teams that Ryan Fitzpatrick has quarterbacked. And then if you consider as well on top of that, like for instance, this the famous Stevie Johnson drop where he blamed God for giving him bad hands. Like, you know, Fitzpatrick should have won that game against him. So I don't know how much stock I put in the history of him versus the Steelers. What I do put a lot of stock in is he's playing well right now and the Steelers defense is an atrocity. Yeah, you're looking at, you know, years past, whether he was with Buffalo or the Jets or the Texans. Uh, always a smart guy, as you alluded to before. I think sometimes uh, he overthinks things, a little paralysis by analysis kind of thing. Uh, but, yeah, and you, you said it. You hit the nail on the head. A lot of people, uh, especially down here, they're looking ahead to that game going, this isn't the same Steelers defense. But you never know. This is the NFL. You know, the first two games of the season, you think you have a team pegged. But, hey, look at the Saints last year. They were 0-2. A lot of people thought that they were destined for another 7-9 and season, and they go all the way until the end, you know, into the deep, you know, semi-deep into the playoffs. So it's the same thing here. I don't think anybody, even though Bucks fans everywhere in Tampa Bay are excited about uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, I still think they look at the Steelers game coming up as a, as a pretty tall task. And Fitzpatrick is doing this largely without the aid of much of a run game, right? I mean, what are they averaging, like two and a half yards per carry right now in Tampa? Yeah, it's been pretty – it's kind of the, – the numbers are deceiving uh, because you look at through the first two games and you look at Peyton Barber and you go, man, he's not doing very well. Um, even though the offensive line is doing a great job of protecting Fitz, they're not really opening up holes in the run game. But it's weird the way that they've kind of deployed the running game so far – um, you know, it's always been for you know in the history of the NFL. Let's use the run to set up the pass. But the Buccaneers have kind of been doing the the backwards end, and I think you're seeing that a lot in the NFL now, where guys are using the pass to set up the run. Now they'll yeah they'll run the they'll run the ball. They'll maybe gain six or seven, and then later on maybe they'll gain one or two, and then it's right back to the pass and using all those weapons on the outside. I don't, I just don't think that they've been leaning on it heavily. So that's why the numbers haven't really reflected that. But I think if you know Peyton Barber, who came into the season losing 10, 15 pounds and winning the starting running back position over a guy like Ronald Jones, who was drafted in the second round, um, I think if he got more touches and, and they really focused a little bit more on the running game, uh, I think he would do better and his numbers would reflect that. But right now, with how well fits and the guys on the outside are doing, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, I guess you don't have to run too terribly much when your quarterback is completing 78% of his passes, right? <laughs> That's right. So That's I look crazy, at, man. I look at the numbers a little bit more closely than that even, and it, he's had a tremendous amount of success targeting his top wideouts. Like, for instance, he's 9-for-9 nine nine going to Deshaun Jackson. I think he just has... Two incompletions going to Mike Evans, right? Yeah, I mean, you look at that, and then you look. Mike had a drop on Sunday, um, and then he had the one. I know he had the one pass he caught, and then he ended up fumbling. But it just seems like wherever Fitz is going with the ball, it, it's working out. Whether it's those two guys, whether it's Chris Godwin, I'm sure you guys know a lot about him uh, being drafted out of Penn State last year in the third round. Uh, O.J. Howard, the first round pick last year out of Alabama. And uh, kind of going back to real quick to what we were talking about with Peyton Barber, one thing that he's done a great job at that doesn't really show up on the stat sheet is he's done a great job of picking up the blitz 
And if you look back at that first touchdown on Sunday from Fitz to Deshaun Jackson, Peyton Barber picked up a corner blitz and gave Fitz that necessary time to be able to get the ball down the field. Um, so everything in the passing game really is firing on all cylinders. And boy, does it look like Evans and Jackson are complementing one another. I'm not going to say that Evans is a possession receiver at 13 yards per catch, but if you've got Deshaun a- uh, Jackson averaging 30 yards a catch, and do I have this right, half of his receptions have gone for 20-plus? <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy, man. And this is the Deshaun Jackson that Bucks fans thought that they were getting last year. They couldn't really seem to hook up with him and to be able to use that speed. I mean, you look at it and people talk, and it's the old adage, and I think it's used a little bit too much of taking the top off the defense. But, I mean, the poster child for that probably is Deshaun Jackson, if you look back in his career with Washington and then all the way back with Philadelphia. And to be able to accentuate his strengths like the Buccaneers are doing this year, I mean, it really is very impressive. And, you know, it's funny you say that about Mike Evans being a possession receiver, and I think some people look at that like it, there's a negative connotation to it. But I was talking to my buddy yesterday or earlier this week, excuse me, uh, about that, and he's not a big guy that gets a lot of yak, not a lot of yards after catch. He's a guy that likes to go up for the football, and usually there's people surrounding him, three, four guys after he catches the ball. I don't look at it too much of a slight with him because, as we mentioned, he fumbled when he tried to get those yards after the catch on Sunday. But you look at there's so many different types of receivers where you have Mike Evans, the big guy, the red zone threat. You have Deshaun Jackson, the speed guy. Then you have the guy in the slot with Chris Godwin. He can play outside, too. His hands are unbelievable. And then O.J. Howard, who's who came into the league as an A-plus blocker, and now being able to make plays in the passing game, it, it's just been incredible. I mean, Fitzpatrick, out of his eight touchdown passes, four of them over 50 yards. And you can't even sit down when you watch a Buccaneers game because if you turn your head, it's incredible. That ball might be in the end zone. Jay Retcher with us from 620 WDAE in Tampa talking about Buccaneers and Steelers coming up on Monday night. What about defensively? What did they do well enough to hold down the Eagles? Where do they find themselves most vulnerable in that shootout against the Saints? Yeah, I think the thing with the Saints game, you had a lot of young guys in the secondary uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in that first game. A lot of people after that first game in Tampa Bay were looking at it like, oh, yeah, we won, but it was 48-40. Listen, it's Drew Brees. The guy's a future Hall of Famer. I don't know how many shootouts. I mean, yeah, I say that now, but they had kind of a semi-shootout, I guess, against Cleveland with that 21-18 victory on Sunday. Uh, but it's it's so hard to stop Michael Thomas and to keep all those guys in front of them, but that's what they did. They did a great job of that. I mean, this secondary... Vernon Hargraves the third. He's out for the year with a shoulder injury. Vernon, uh, excuse me, Brent Grimes out the first two games. Uh, who knows if he'll play week three against the Steelers. He's had a groin injury. But the thing that they've done a really good job in, especially in the second game against the Eagles, Mike Smith, the defensive coordinator, really doing a good job of putting some more pressure on the quarterback, some more exotic blitzes. Quan Alexander, uh, their stud linebacker, came in on a nice blitz and ended up knocking the ball away from Nick Foles and creating a turnover. Gerald McCoy and Jason Pierre-Paul, I thought they played much better in game two. Tough in game one against Drew Brees because he gets rid of the ball so darn quick, so it's hard to really gauge how well your defensive line is doing. But the adjustments that they made uh, on the defense in the second game against Nick Foles, uh, it's been it's been very uh, a pleasant surprise for a lot of fans here because there's still a lot of people that are, aren't too sure with Mike Smith but when you got a lot of young playmakers out there, Justin Evans is another guy uh, at the safety position that is just getting better every single day. He had the scoop and score against the Saints in week one. This team, I think, as good as it is offensively, I still think there's room to grow defensively, and 
and it'll be challenged for sure on Monday night against the Steelers. Jay Redshaw, 620 WDAE in Tampa. And just referencing the Saints game and, and talking about that contest and where they sit right now, the Bucks I'm talking about atop the NFC South. You know, New Orleans is lucky, lucky to be one and one right now. Yeah. Uh, close game between the Panthers and the Falcons uh, to get the Falcons back to one and one. I mean, this is a Buccaneers team that had every right to believe that with or without Jameis Winston, they probably could have started zero and three given the schedule that they had. I imagine they're going to go into Monday Night Football favored against the Steelers. I would think, based on what the Steelers have done so far this year, what if they escape this three and zero and then Jameis comes back? What's going to happen? Oh, man, it's so funny that you asked that because that was the hugest uh, topic of conversation on Victory Monday uh, earlier this week, just kind of talking about, you know, what do you do now? And 80% of our listeners on 620 WDAE all say to stay with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, which was uh, a little surprising because I think it was a little more of a pro-Jameis sentiment, but how well he's played through the first two games fits, that is. It's hard. How do you got to stay with the hot hand? I mean, this is history. This is historic what he's doing so far. And and I'm, it's kind of ironic because you said the 0-3. No team in NFL history has ever had a, a harder first three games of the season than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the 2018 regular season. Well, what it's is it, 30, 37 wins between the three teams, correct? Yeah, incredible, man. And and there was a lot of people still, you know, they weren't sure. My co-host, Ron Diaz, he had him at 6-10. and 10. I had him at 9-7 and seven this year, and I actually picked them to win the first two games. Uh, and I actually had them losing the third game against Pittsburgh. I can't change it now. I don't want to be a flip-flopper. <laughs> uh, you might want to um, watch that Kansas City game again then. I, I know, I know, but like, hey, but like you know, being a football guy as well, you just never know from week to week. You think you have a team pegged. You know, I know a lot of people we were talking about New Orleans and Cleveland. A lot of people yeah. thought that game was going to be a blowout, and it came down to a, a couple kicks at the end. So that's why they play the game. But I'm excited. I think Monday night with the whole pageantry with uh, Tony Dungy is going to be inducted into the Ring of Honor. Obviously a guy that uh, is well-known not just here in Tampa Bay, but also in Pittsburgh and across the country as being uh, one of the real good guys in the NFL and in football history, uh, it's going to be an unbelievable night. I can't wait to I can't wait to be there. Well, Jay, we can't thank you enough for the time. Uh, appreciate you jumping on with us. Before we wrap up here, real fast, uh, Lightning. What's going on with them, especially in the wake of the Irishman news? Uh, the Lightning, man, with the preseason just getting underway, there's still a lot of optimism around here, and uh, I think all the people around here that really follow the team closely not too uh, surprised by the news we knew Eisenman's contract was coming up and a guy like Julian Breesbaugh who's been his assistant uh, who was also the GM of the Syracuse Crunch that triple a or a minor league affiliate that has been streamlining great prospects the last couple years that guy's already interviewed the last two years he's a French speaking guy I thought he was destined uh, to work for the Montreal Canadiens but the Lightning I think looked at that and said hey we got to keep this guy, especially if Stevie Y wants to spend more time with his family, which is what he says. But I wouldn't be surprised, Tim, if in the next uh, couple years he's working in Detroit somewhere uh, and being the guy that's going to try to get that team back on the straight and narrow. But I anticipate another strong year in the Eastern Conference in the Atlantic Division for the Lightning and a lot of great games against uh, the Penguins for sure. Jay, appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on. Tim, you're the man. No problem. Anytime, buddy. That's Jay Redster from WDAE in Tampa. If you tuned in partway through that and you want to hear it in its entirety, make sure you go to the Trib Live Breakfast with Ben's page and you can hear it 
back to front. When we come back, uh, a little Penguins tie-in to this Steeler conversation surrounding Antonio Brown and his social media behavior. Some Pirates news to get to as well as we take a mini Steeler break. I I can't even get away from the Steelers entirely on this. We'll have it for you at the top of the hour next here on 105.9 The X. Um. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Double M, what's going on? He's a gangster. Yes, I need your advice, super genius. You're an ass, you're an ass, you're an ass. The X at 105.9. Tim Ben's in for Mark Madden today. You know what would be great is if the entire White House media corps and its next, next press briefing with Sarah Huckabee Sanders channeled its collective inner Wes Welker and asked everything in mushroom terms. You know, sort of like Welker did with feet for Rex Ryan. You know, Sarah, this story is really going to turn into a mushroom cloud. Sarah, I don't know what the president was thinking. Was he on shrooms when he said, like, just work it in every single time? Every question. Uh, quick Penguins note. I'm going to save the Pirates note for later. Quick Penguins note here. You know there's a segment of Penguin fans, right? Bob and I know this after doing the morning show for eight years. There's a segment of Penguins fans that likes nothing. They like seeing the Steelers suffer more than they like seeing the Penguins win. Like, they, they resent so much that hockey isn't more popular than football. They resent so much that the Penguins, as a hockey team, aren't as popular as the football team is in town. And whenever the Steelers go through turmoil, they, they wallow in it, right? Now, Jason Mackey of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, is it fair for me to say that he was pandering to his base when he sent this tweet out? It, it was funny. Like, it's a funny tweet. But he's playing to the base when he sends this tweet. It was uh, during the scrimmage. And he says, Team 2 is exceptionalism right now. Obviously a shot at A.B. Jamie Alexiak scores to make it 3-1. He does not, however, celebrate by telling a former member of the Penguins PR staff to trade him. Now, I didn't even know Keith Wainer was there, but that's neither here nor there. So that's funny, right? But you know what he's doing. He's poking. He's prodding. First response. First response in the timeline is from a guy named Magic Gaunch. Could you imagine if someone on the pens had said that? Oh, wait, you can't, because Sully actually controls the locker room. Right. Phil Kessel never demanded a trade on Twitter. He just told Sully that Sully wouldn't be benching him to break his consecutive game streak. Sid has never gone on Twitter and said who he wants to play with. He just informed Sully on a game-to-game basis who his right wing is going to be. Back off the throttle, Magic Gaunch. Just because it hasn't gotten out there because the players aren't quite the maniacs that the Steelers players are. Some of that was going on with the Penguins last year, too. And if they don't get back to the Stanley Cup Finals again this year, you might be following it more than you want to. 412-333-9939. All right, when we come back, speaking of topics that tend to really aggravate me, going back a few years, the... Hashtag this never would have happened if Cower was here movement is back and it's back in force. We discuss next.